Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of The History of Gear, Katie Hargrave and Meredith Lara Lynn, educators and artists, shared how archives and a recent visit to USU influenced some recent projects and art installations that explore the intersection of the outdoors and artistic expression. Just a note, Katie and Meredith share a lot of visuals that includes a lot of their art and art installations that are beautiful. If you want to just listen to the audio, continue listening. If you want to see the visuals and and everything they've created, um, go to the link uh, in the podcast description and you can watch the full presentation on YouTube. Thanks. Thank you all. And thank Chase and Clint in particular for giving us the opportunity to speak about our process um, and our work in the context of the archive. Um, So far, this symposium has been really enlightening to consider our work alongside other professionals, artists, and historians in the field. Um, Meredith and I have been collaborating since 2018, and we are located in the Southeast, where we make our work in studios based in the Appalachie, Muskogee Creek, Seminole, Miccosukee, and Cherokee lands. Our project-based collaborative practice is grounded in an inquiry of so-called public lands. We use materials such as tents, coolers, and postcards as sculptural bases that we manipulate with photographic imagery. We are drawn to historical landscape photography, environmental literature, and social media images within our own studio research, often collapsing many forms and sources within one body of work. Wealthy, predominantly white tourists are encouraged to explore so-called public lands through the U.S. land and use policy and outdoor industry. The term explore is presented oftentimes as neutral without acknowledging possible negative impacts of ballooning usage on fragile landscapes rich in cultural relevance. We are wary personally of exploration and we locate our work in that wariness as we consider the impact of the outdoor industrial complex through the creation of multi-layered artworks and installations. Today, we're gonna talk a little bit about our work generally, focusing on a few finished projects and starting with a project that is tied to the Utah Big Five. We'll share how the archive influences our work, and we mean specifically the Utah State University Outdoor Recreation Archive, but also archival information generally, and we will also share our most recent project. So here's an installation shot of the body of work we made in Utah. In 2020, we visited all the national parks in the state and did a project in each. 
And this is the installation of that work in at Granary Arts in Ephraim, Utah. For arches, we sewed a custom tent featuring tourist images of the park and then set that tent up at a campsite near newly installed bathrooms at the site. At Canyonlands, we turned a teardrop camper into a camera obscura and then used it to document each of the seven scenic overlooks along the drive through the island in the sky section of the park. The camera obscura is ancient technology dating to the fourth century BC. A box or room is completely darkened with the only light coming in through a small hole. That hole acts as a lens and an image of the area outside the room is pre projected onto the interior of the room, upside down. Artists have been using the camera obscura for hundreds of years as a way to understand three-dimensional space in 2D. And so in this image, you can see that the exterior is projected onto the interior, upside down on that sort of screen. Um, at Capitol Reef, we use the same teardrop trailer to record the drive through the water pocket fold, which is the iconic geological feature of Capitol Reef. We hope that showing you this body of work as we walk through our process and motivations gives you a sense of how we approach our work and the look and feel of finished projects. Next, we'll pivot to showcase how we use archival materials and history within our work. We do a lot of research into the sites that we engage with, and that often means utilizing or creating our own archive. For Zion, we found collections of historic postcards of the park featuring roadways and parking lots, and then we created our own archive of those materials. We're interested in the human interventions into the landscape, which aren't always the most celebrated elements in traditional tourist materials. So we're usually digging a little deeper into the record to find the documentation we're looking for. We use these materials in two ways to guide our research and then as catalysts for finished projects. So here, the postcards that we just showed are altered using the material that makes roadways reflective, which are tiny glass beads. In doing so, we are further highlighting how infrastructure is integral part of the parks at this point. For a project we did on parks in California and Florida, we took diagrams from owner's manuals of airstreams and created this final installation. These illustrations are instructions for how to back up or park an Airstream trailer, how to rotate the tires and the electrical systems of these RVs. We consider this kind of research to be engagement with an archive as this material was collected and preserved and is now available for public use and reflection. Our research also takes us into more traditional understandings of the historic record. For this project, we took the book by botanist John Muir, 1000 Mile Walk to the Gulf, reprinted it backwards and then rebound it so that you can only read the book by looking in a mirror. Documents such as this book frame our research and our work as well as making somewhat normal objects into something really strange. Through our research, we became aware of the Outdoor Recreation Archive at Utah State University and began reviewing the materials available online. In March of this year, we were able to come to Utah State and see the archive in person. The material that the archivist, Clint, pulled for us ended up being incredibly influential to our practice. Being there in person allowed us to look at pieces we had seen online, then fluidly move from one item to the next. So for example, this is an image of Robert G. Willis's notes for North Face's Oval Intention, which is the first geodesic uh, tent, which probably everyone on this call knows about. <laughs> While a research trip to an archive can sometimes have specific goals in mind, for example, in this trip, we were interested in finding gear with references to John Muir and seeing more images of tents. There are also unexpected moments. Seeing this translucent tent from the design phase of this famous tent tied into our own research about the potential of transparency. And we'll have more on that in a few minutes. 
Through our outdoor recreation archive, we were introduced to moss tents and we totally fell in love. They're incredible art objects with beautiful design and really thoughtful color schemes, but we're also interested in their cultural or maybe even cult status. Clint told us about how popular they are in parts of Asia and how enthusiasts there will have moss tent campouts and conventions like this gathering in Hong Kong in 2008. As we are very interested in the culture surrounding outdoor gear, this will continue to lead to future artwork for us. Seeing the preparatory drawings for moss tents and for oval intention inspired us to think more creatively about our own tent designs, many of which we'll show you soon. Finally, we will show how the Outdoor Recreation Archive has made its way into our new work. We're really interested in the visual language that has developed around outdoor recreation, from 19th century photos of land surveyors in the Western United States to contemporary advertisements. For this series of collages, we nested images of tent advertisements, removing the tent from each image and replacing it with another tent ad. The text in these collages, which is cut out of mirrored vinyl and then applied to the digital print, is taken from John Muir's 1,000 Mile Walk to the Gulf. Among the many things that stand out to us about that essay, including the racism and classism, is his discomfort with being outdoors. Muir is celebrated as a great outdoorsman, but in reality, he didn't really like to camp and he complained about bugs and the weather and other discomforts constantly. We use mirrors and reflective surfaces a lot within our work. We're aware that part of the culture of outdoor recreation, tourism, and consumerism that we're critiquing, um, and we want to make sure that we are implicating ourselves and our audiences within that conversation. The mirror ensures that we are always seeing our own reflection in the landscape that we are considering. The titles for these works come from the companies whose ads are featured and also text from John Muir. The company's name is capitalized as a proper noun, while portions of the quote are in lowercase, creating a hierarchy between the company and the mirror. For this work, we blew up the scale to make it human-sized. We're referencing the history of advertisements, billboards, posters, etc., and also making the object a little more confrontational. For us, the slump off the wall and the crooked hanging poke a little fun at the absurdity of some of these images and John Muir's own relationship to nature. It almost feels like a piece of a magazine that has been taped up but has slowly fallen down. As we gear up to show our latest project, we wanted to show some process shots as well of us in our studio. So we're always bringing multiple sources into our work, historic images, print ads, social media posts, and trying to find ways to collapse these. Sometimes this happens in research that is never really visible to the viewer, but other times this collapse is visible in the finished work. For a recent body of work, we're using the lenticular printing process to make multiple images sit on one surface. So that's what you just saw in that little video. Um, and as you move from one side to the other of these images, different images are visible. Research isn't just something that happens in the library or on the internet. We also do a lot of materials-based research as well, which students at Utah State are likely familiar with as they create their own designs. We're going to quickly show you some shots from our studio and from the field as we cobble together solutions and teach ourselves some basic engineering. Meredith, do you wanna describe what's happening in this image? Sure. So we um, we made this project with uh, bent uh, bent sign like road signs, um, and so we took PVC pipe and took uh, very hot sand. So we heated up sand, poured it into the PVC pipe, then let it heat up the sand, and then bent the pipe and used these weights to keep the shape of the pipe 
intact as it cooled down to then retain that shape. Um, and this was a really interesting process and pretty easy, but if anyone is interested in replicating it, you should do it outdoors because it off gases lots of fumes and we got a little sick doing it. So. <laughs> Um, each solution is totally different. So we problem solve on the fly. So this is inside of that um, uh, trailer that we used in Utah. And we brought with us lots of clamps and uh, ratchet straps to be able to secure our camera to the existing infrastructure. We explore different materials um, and need to learn to use their properties uh, for how we can and can or can't use them. So this is an image of us creating a mirrored tent with a um, mixture of mirrored ripstop and uh, mirrored vinyl. Our material and archive research has often led us back to the form of the tent. We're interested in the tools we use to make the outdoors more comfortable. And so we also like the challenges and opportunities the tent poses. This is a tent we constructed for Cumberland National Seashore in Georgia. For the John Muir Trail in Tennessee, we wanted to make a mirrored tent that would disappear into the woods. Um, we discovered that that wasn't really possible because of the angles of the tent, uh, but the tent ended up doing something different and we've used that in videos and other works. So here is a finished um, image of that two channel video that we made with our mirrored tent. The mirrored tent idea came back though in a slightly refined format. For this tent, which is currently on installation at a nature preserve in Atlanta, the floor is made of mirrored material. It reflects back the interior side panels of the tent, which are printed with photographs of the John Muir Trail. We were thinking about the lanes we go to to feel connected to the outdoors, even when this relationship is heavily mediated through consumer goods. Now we're going to give you a sneak peek into our newest project, which has been influenced by the, by the Outdoor Recreation Archive in many ways. For this piece, we designed a tent ourselves after researching several DIY patterns that we found online. Um, we had to do numerous material studies as we figured out issues of weight and strength for the materials that we wanted to use for this project. Uh, we constructed one version of the tent out of rip stop scraps that we had lying around the studio before moving on to the final materials. We knew that we wanted the tent to be clear plastic, which actually calls back to the early prototypes of mobile intention, photographs we saw in the archive and which you sh we showed you earlier. We also knew we wanted the tent to exist within an environment of print images. In this studio shot, we're beginning to lay out the tent and the pattern for the photographic material that will sit under it and on that wall. Here's a mock-up of the photos that we planned on using with this tent, which are a mixture of 19th century images taken at future national park sites at the time, advertisements for outdoor gear, some of which we learned about through the archive, um, and contemporary tourist photos that we are using with permission from the photographer. We're interested in how the visual language remains the same across all these categories, showing a relationship between settler colonialism, consumerism, and contemporary tourism. So here is some more problem solving happening in the studio as we decide on the layout of each of the images. And here's where that work is now. The construction of the platform, it's a little hard to see in this picture, but um, the tent is actually sitting on a wooden platform that has uh, wooden triangles coming out from it, kind of angled towards us. Um, so the construction of the platform the tent sits on isn't complete yet, and several of these prints will be replaced with lenticular prints, the ones that collapse and change image as you move across them. Um, 
And we're hoping that that will further collapse the relationship between all of these different kinds of images. Research takes many forms, materials-based research, archival research, embodied research in the landscape, all of which are found foundational to our process. For us, complicating capitalism's interaction with so-called public land is an inherently activist practice. As we are the people that outdoor gear is marketed towards, we have the ability to encourage folks through our creative research to consider carefully what engagement in the landscape looks like and how our experiences in the outdoors influence the landscape itself. So we'd love to connect with everyone to discuss or collaborate. And so please feel free to reach out. And if you have any questions, we'd love to, we'd love to field any now. Yeah, we have about five minutes. So if anyone has questions, feel free to jump in in the chat. You can raise your hand as well if you want to ask them with your own voice too. <laughs> Katie and I are both professors and we know how it gets late in the day. So we were like, oh, we'll keep it. We'll keep it quick. So we are definitely also interested in the conversations that are happening about the archives. And um, if you have images that you would love to, like to share with us for potential inclusion in future projects, um, that's something we're certainly interested in. Um, and we're also really fascinated by thinking about where these projects might go outside of a traditional art context. So I think there was a question that came up during Steen's presentation about how y'all might be able to support um, artists. Uh, and, um, and I would echo what Steen said about um, considering other spaces that we might be able to um, exhibit in. So um, we're certainly interested in thinking about if there could be opportunities for um, our work to be situated within trade shows or um, having conversations with um, corporate archives and thinking about what that might mean for our work. I've got a few ideas, so we should, we should talk. <laughs> Um, my, one question that I have for you is, um, I mean, you, you rely so heavily on like archival imagery, um, and a lot of that coming from brands and catalogs. And do you have any formal partnerships with any brands? Have you, have you talked with any brands about working on a, a project together to either, you know, potentially celebrate a past product or, or have you had any conversations with brands on working together? Honestly, when we came out and uh, met you, that was the first time that even crossed our um, our minds. Well, we did, Katie. We did have um, Airstream. Oh, right. Yeah, so um, we did a big project about Airstreams. We showed you a couple pictures of that. And um, Airstream has a magazine for Airstream owners, and they wrote a nice feature about us. Um, and we had hoped that maybe that would lead to us. Um, being sponsored by Airstream or like someone who read it, reaching out and being like, do you want to borrow my Airstream? Um, and it did not lead to that. So um, maybe in the future, but I would say that, yeah, that's our first and only real engagement with, with corporate sponsorship or anything of that nature. Um, it's not, we're both, you know, we're both academics and, um, and are really lucky to be very well supported by our universities. Um, and so we get, we haven't really been pressed to, uh, to think about the, the like capitalist or consumer version of our artwork previously, but it's something we're really interested in. And I think a way that we can grow and develop what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you can get it, especially in these presentations about the corporate archives, um, listening to y'all talk about the materials and so on, like that is certainly something that we're interested in. 
working with, um, I'm curious to hear more about working with students on these types of projects. Are they open to thinking about different ways of thinking about history of the outdoors? Yeah, I mean, I think both Meredith and I are finding that increasingly um, our students' generation is very interested in um, thinking about material and thinking about culture. Um, they're they're quite critical, um, and uh, um, and that's really productive um, conversations that we're having in the classroom. Um, typically, we don't show that much of our own work to our students, but when we have um, traveled to present at universities, um, for instance, we presented at Snow College um, in Utah uh, in March of this, sorry, um, last fall, um, and it was very interesting to talk to students about the, their particular experience um, of Utah um, national parks, at, which is quite different from ours because we're not from the West. And so um, that is something that we're thinking about as well is how do we as um, outsiders have a different type of perspective um, of tourism um, in some of these majestic places. Yeah, and I would say that students, students that I work with um, here at FSU are really interested in issues of environment and climate change. I think being in Florida, that's something that's really on the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, and so having a practice that engages with issues envi of environmentalism has definitely helped me connect with students and consider um, ways that I can um, mentor them or just advise them on how to think about their own presence ethically. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely, I think, a lot of connections between what we're doing and and the interest that we see in, in young people. Um, and then Elliot asked if we have books of our artwork for sale. We don't yet. Um, that is something that, you know, again, we're also interested in. Um, uh, but we do have other work that we'd be happy to share. So if you reach out to us, we do have some takeaways from various projects um, that, that we would be happy to pop in the mail for you. And our Instagram accounts are shared on this last slide. And I think Chase is putting them in there as well. So thank you all so much. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.